0: we want to welcome you home uh to voice of praise uh let me let me say this I plug it all the time. Barry, I know Barry does a Bible study life group at nine forty five, and we have a teen life group, and we have uh, children's life groups available. And in, and Sarah and I usually go in the Fellowship Hall since we began life groups. Actually, we have and 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 in there, uh, Alicia is the instigator of conversation, and I. I, I, I I was tied up on some other things this morning, so I missed the first 10 minutes. So I don't know how it started, but I want to tell you this. It ended up being some amazing conversation, because that's what that particular group is about. And it's some amazing conversation about what God does in our life and how we get through episodes of life. Alicia, that blessed my heart this morning. But Not only Alicia, but all of you that sat in that life group, you blessed my heart this morning as you were sharing. So I want to encourage you, whether it's your, you want Bible study, you go to Barry's group, or if you, if you're interested in engaging in, in life conversation, come to the other life group, or if you have kids, or whatever the case is, come be part of a life group at 9.45 on any given Sunday morning. But we do want to welcome you home. Whether you come to Life Group, you just come to worship service, um, whatever capacity that you're part of this church family, we, uh, we're we so thankful for you. I want you, if you, uh, you don't have to advance me one there, Nikki. My clicker's not clicking. I think it's still working, yes. Yes, the red dot is still working. I want to go to Exodus chapter 14. Exodus chapter 14 is, uh, uh, the lead-in portion, if you would, to some very classic Bible scriptures. It's, uh, and it has, it is very relevant because everything that occurs in the Old Testament is a picture of something that is yet to occur, at least at that time in the New Testament. And as we see the children of Israel being led out of Egypt's bondage, it it actually illustrates to us uh, us as sinners and unbelievers being led out of the bondages of of the flesh and of Satan, if you would, into the liberating grace of Jesus Christ. So Exodus chapter fourteen, Exodus actually it means what it says. Exodus is a exiting, if you would. So. Begin reading there, if you would, at uh, verse number 10. As Pharaoh approached, the sons of Israel looked. And behold, the Egyptians were coming after them. Woo! Isn't that a wonderful thought? Yeah. You're leaving, and you're looking, and somebody is chasing you. Woo! You know, that's not a good sign. You know, that's not a good feeling. You're leaving and somebody's chasing you. And they became very frightened, which is understandable. And the sons of Israel cried out to the Lord. They cried out to the Lord and then they cried out to Moses. Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you dealt with us this way, bringing us out of Egypt? Is it not the word that we spoke to you in Egypt saying, Leave us alone so we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. If you you haven't figured this out, what these people have already set in their mind is, We're going to die. They just knew they were going to die. And at least, and what they're saying is, we could at least die around the flesh pots or the slavery of Egypt. We could at least die in Egypt and maybe had a little bit of a decent funeral. But now we're out here in the wilderness, and we're going to die, and we're going to be forgot about it. We're going to be left for the buzzards, so to speak. They've convinced themselves of that. One more slide, please, ma'am. Can you get it there? Can you get it? As we go on... I'm sorry, I've got technical difficulties happening. Verse 13. Are we there? Dr. Dave stepped up to it. There we go. But Moses said to the people, Do not fear. Stand by and see... The salvation of the Lord, which he will perform for you today. See, salvation was spoken long before Christ became incarnate. Do not fear. Stand by and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will perform for you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you will never see them again. But that doesn't mean they're going to die. Did you catch that? The Egyptians you've seen today, you'll never see them again. The Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. But here's the, here's the central focus I want to capture this morning. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the sons of Israel to go forward. I want to focus on that last sentence. That last statement that the Lord makes. Tell the sons of Israel to go forward. Father, we ask that you bless the Lord God. The word that will come forth this morning as you've given it to me in Jesus' name. These Hebrews were in trouble. These Hebrews were in trouble. And because they were in trouble they were begin to become, had become panicky, if you would. They were painted into a proverbial corner. They saw no way out. You know, lots of times we find ourselves in that situation in life where we see no way out. Uh, I, I, I sort of enjoy painting, whether it's a car or, or whether it's painting in a house, I sort of enjoy painting. Uh, but there have been times... Especially when doing floor work, and I've refinished floors before, just for my own uh, my own personal satisfaction. And, and I can remember one occasion I was refinishing a floor, and I wasn't giving it much thought. And I found myself painted into a corner. When you get painted into a corner, that's not a good feeling. Because what do you do? Do you mess up what you've already done done good? How do you escape? You know, painting into it's a hopeless circumstance, or at least a hopeless hopeless feeling. The fleshly reaction was we should have stayed in bondage or we need to return to bondage. Sometimes when we find our lives painted into a corner, the easiest thing for us, and see as we got into this in life groups this morning, you guys didn't know what you, you were getting onto my message, but but when we find ourselves painted into the corner, sometimes the easiest thing for us to do is just go back to where we were at, to go back to the flesh pots, to go back to what we were doing, and, and even though we were in slavery or we were in bondage. That was the case of the uh, Israelites here, and and it's the case oftentimes for you. We, we have the attitude. And, and we even see that with the disciples in the New Testament, immediately following the resurrection of Jesus, they go back and begin to pick up their nets and begin to restore their fishing boats. And they're getting ready to go back and, and cast their nets into the deep, even though Jesus said, you shall no longer fish. For fish, but I'm going to make you fishers of men. They were ready to go back to where they came from. You know, lots of times you and I are that way. You know why? Because it's, it's easy in some means of speaking. So it was their, it was their easiest alternative, at least they thought. And, uh, you know, perhaps their thoughts is, it's not going to require as much of me. It, it, if we keep going, It's going to cost us our life. We're going to die out here in the desert. It's it's going to cost us everything we have. It would be a whole lot easier to have stayed or maybe even go back and just beg for the Egyptians to take us back one more time. And I want you to notice the, the last few words of verse 15 again when the Lord says, Tell them to go forward. Or, tell them to move on. Now if you decipher that out and, and, and you go back to the Strong's Concordance, the Strong's Lexicon, and I'm sure all of you all usually read, that's, that's good reading if you ever want to read any given day, just get out the Strong's Lexicon and read it. It's the most exciting book, book you could ever read. Not really, I'm, I'm, I'm just being, if you would pick in just a little bit, but in the Strong's Lexicon, reference number 5265, it traces that phrase back to the Hebrew word nasha, and nasha actually means pull up the tent pins. Pull up the tent pins. So what? In in essence, what the Lord was saying, He says to Moses, He says, "You go and tell those Israelites they need to pull up the tent pins." Okay, let me give a disclaimer. This message is not to tell you we need you to pull up and leave your church because we need you here, okay? So I'm not telling you to pull up and leave church. But what I am telling you is the Lord says to these Israelites, pull up the tent pens. In other words, go forward. The words of verse 15 are the heartbeat, I think, of what God would want to say to us today is we need to pull up the tent pins. Understanding that, that the tent, the tabernacle in the wilderness, it was never intended to be in a permanent place. They moved the tabernacle from place to place. Has, has they followed the, 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 uh, the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night? They followed. The tent would go along, and we find that that has the tent had to be moved. The tent could not be moved until the the massive pins are stakes that were used to stake it down. It was a quite heavy. If you would, uh, tent as we call it. It was more, probably larger than you think it was. It it, it was massive and it was built out of skins and hides and it was very heavy and it was put up and erected to withstand the winds and the storms of the desert. These pins probably went deep into the sand. They were, they were the, 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 the source that held everything in place, if you would. But yet the Lord says, you need to pull those up. Because without pulling those up, you can never move into the next place that God has for you. So pull up those tent pins. Pulling up the tent pins, I want you to know this, was a corporate affair. It was a corporate a- affair. By that means, everybody pitched in it wasn't left up just to just Moses or to Aaron to pull the tent pins up they were merely the leadership that God had set in place to, to lead the people by conveying his message and therefore that's why the Lord says tell the people tell the israelites to pull up the tent pin. He didn't say, Moses, you need to go pull up the tent pins. Or Moses, go over and get Aaron to help you. You're the preacher. He's the assistant pastor. And get the, and you two pull up the tent pins so you all can get moving along into the next thing that I have for you. No, no, no. What he is saying, tell the Israelites, the church, to pull up the tent pins. So it was a corporate affair. Before the church can, any church, whether it's Voice of Praise or or just the church universal, if it would, before the church can go forward, or before you can go forward as an individual, we must learn to pull up the tent pins. And that's a job in itself. Some people sit around and would like to complain, and we hear a lot about it. And I. And I realize there's a lot of statistics out that tell us this. That there's people around that complain that the church is dying. And the the, the church is, has become worldly. And that this has happened. And that has happened. And, and we've been praying here for more than two years. We've been praying about revival for not only us, but churches all over. And I thank God He's bringing us renewal and revival here at Voice of Praise Worship Center. And that the reason I say that is because all of you that have come our way out in the last few years, Thank God you're a part of that renewal and that revival. But, but we sometimes complain about the church being dry and being cold and, and we need a revival. But do you realize revival has to start with us as individuals? And you and I have to pull up pins together. You have to pull up the tent pins in your life. And I have to pull up the tent pins in my life. And as we all pull up our tent pins, then what happens is the church begins to, to expand and the church begins to grow and the church, and I'm not talking about just the assembly, if you would, of this, of this particular voice of praise worship center, uh, but I'm talking about the church as a whole. The church will begin to expand just like the Lord intended for it to do, but we have to pull up. The tent pins in order to do that. I want to leave you with four things this morning that, that we incur or that will happen or must happen as we pull up the tent pins. The first thing is we have to pull up the pins of fear and allow faith to grow in us. Now, all of us have fear of certain things. Let's admit it. All of us have fear of certain things. All of us have fear. You maybe have fear of a, of a medical diagnosis. <clears throat> If you've been experiencing some problems. Uh, some of us may have, you may have fear of financial disaster. You may have, you may have, you may have fear of your neighbor's dog. Okay. But whatever the case is, all of us deal with fear in some sort and some fashion. And, and we know that, that when we read the scripture, uh, I believe it was Solomon said in his words of wisdom that fear hath torment. Fear, fear is not an abs- yes, we're to fear the Lord, but when you, uh, flesh that word out, it means a godly reverence. But, but we all have fear, we all have things that, that, that calls us to to react in ways and and here we go back to that life group where our conversations and warning. It, it, it'll cause us to go hide in the cave like Elijah it'll cause us it'll cause us to to do things to to withdraw if you would oftentimes and sometimes fears will even hinder us. To, not, to be able to do what we know to do. And those of you that were here last week, remember I preached on two types of sin. The sin of commission and the sin of omission. And the sin of omission is to know to do something, but failing to do that. Fear oftentimes will cause us not to do what we know that God would have us do. Now listen, I, I don't believe we just haphazardly should should do things. I believe it's good to try the spirits. The scripture says to see if they be of God. I believe it's good to compare our notions, if you would, or our impressions that we feel with the Word of God. It's good to know that everything is in alignment with Him. But at the same time, while we have done that, hopefully we have searched our hearts and and we have we feel like we've discovered the heart of God. Sometimes our fears will cause us to hold back on what God has called us to do or called us into or called us where to go and when that occurs then we are failing to fulfill and we're failing to move into that next place what's happening is we have the tent pins nailed down what happens is when God starts saying I need Move into this next season. I need you to move into this next opportunity. Listen, we sometimes we sit around. You, hey, you want to know what? I, I'm just—I I'm know metal a little bit right now. You know, we talk about all the problems of the church today. You know what? One of the pro- difficulties of the church today is the church we have set around, and for too many years, we—the American church—has gotten a habit of won't setting around. We're like the baseball, the baseball uh, coliseum that was built. You know, well, if you build it, they will come. And we built our churches many years ago, and we've thought over this past couple hundred and so you two hundred forty. Seven years that we're about building buildings and people come to us. But Jesus didn't say build buildings and let people come to you. Jesus said, I want you to go. He said, I even want you to go into the highways and the hedges. That's the ghetto. That's the rough places. That's the places where it ain't church. And he says, I want you to go there and I want you to compel, which means love. Man, I really got meddling now. And I want you to go and love people into my kingdom. You see, and, and, and sometimes we as the church, quote unquote, the church... And we've become formed and fashioned around. Well, they know they know where we're at, and they know when we have service if they want to come. But listen, the church needs to pull up some tent pins, and we need to move into areas and seasons that the God that God has set before us in order to expand His kingdom. And sometimes we do that because we don't do that because we are afraid. We are afraid of. Sometimes be let's be very frank about it. Sometimes we're just afraid of failure. Sometimes we're afraid if I pull up the tent pens and I, I go into what God has for me. Listen, I, I, I'm afraid that I'll fail. I'm afraid my efforts will fail. And then everybody's going to laugh at me. <laughs> yeah. Listen. It's the people that are... Willing to pull up tent pens and move into what God has out there and to, if you would, I'll use this word, to be adventuresome for Jesus. And to expand and reach into the areas that's not been tapped. Those are the people right now that I think that are taking the kingdom of God. I think those are the people that are reaching the lost. I think those are the people that are touching hearts. Listen, when they come up out of Egypt, they march out of there. They were singing a song as they marched out of Egypt. They were singing, I'm on my way to Canaan land. I'm on my way to Canaan land. I'm on my way to Canaan land. I'm on my way, praise God. I'm on my way. In Canaan land is Canaan is the promise of God. They were singing that song. They had tambourines. They were rejoicing. They were blowing their horns. They were they were they they, they were beating on tin cans. Whatever whatever they had, what you know they, they they were just rejoicing. They were on their way out of bondage into Canaan land. They were going forward, and as long as they were moving forward, they were full of faith, and everything was all right. But what happened was when they stopped. When they stopped and they turned around and they saw Pharaoh. There is no stopping place in our journey for the Lord. There is no time. Listen, Sarah and I talk all the time. We we talk about well, one of these days we'd like to retire. But I'm going to tell you what. What we talk about is a lot of years from now. But 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 in the, on the other hand, I don't know. As long as I'm able, and as long as I I, I can do it and and be productive with it, I, I don't I don't ever really in my mind ever imagine myself retiring from sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. I can't imagine that. I, I can't, I can't wrap my mind around that thought because just because if Jesus tarries is coming and my health endures, I, just because I'm old someday doesn't mean that I quit because there is no stopping place in this journey for the Lord. I don't meddle too much. I got to move on. Oh, I didn't get all my slide done. I got them all lumped together there. The second thing is pull the pins of murmuring. Pull up the pins of murmuring. You see, murmuring and complaining. It wasn't long before the fear had replaced the faith of the Israelites that they started complaining to Moses, about Moses, and about God. I want you to notice how they blame all of their problems on the Lord sometimes we do that sometimes when we have settled in one place too long and again I'm not talking about your church attendance but sometimes when we settle in in our spiritual walk when we have when we have occupied the the lazy boy recliner of spirituality, and we've been parked, you know what, My, uh, John and I have a friend that's, his name is Eric Pennington. And Eric, Eric said he knew why they called these seats in the church. He knew why they called them pews. He said because we've been sitting on them way too long and they're pew. And, and it's when, when we've occupied the, the the same day and we're not moving on in our, in our relationship with the Lord and then we begin to murmur and we'll find, and we'll find time to gripe and complain. Uh, usually, and usually so it was with Moses, the problem wasn't with the leaders at all. Now there are some, bad leaders and there's some there's bad police officers and there's bad preachers too and there's bad there's bad whatever whatever you can think of there's bad lord knows we have bad politicians but the problem is is not necessarily with leadership but it's what the followers do complaining is a sure sign that you're lacking forward progress if every on every hand, if everything is a complaint in your relationship with God, if you're complaining about this is not happening, that's not happening, this is wrong with the church that's wrong with the church, this is wrong with the preacher, this is wrong with the the song leader, this is wrong with the piano player this called the John this morning this this is wrong with this person, this is wrong with this and and, and, and and this is wrong with God, and this is what's wrong with the world, and we all can see a lot of things that are wrong. I understand that I realize that. I see a lot of things that are wrong. But when that becomes our focus, and we begin to lose sight of what God is doing, because I want to tell you something, God still has His church. His church is still alive. His church is doing still doing well. His church is moving on. You may not believe this, because we look around us in our little circle that we live in, but right now, in spite of what we think and what we see going on in America, there are more people coming to Jesus Christ in the world Right now, than in any season before, thousands and thousands of people are coming to Jesus in continents like Africa and Asia. And in spite of what you think, the church is not dying. We're the ones that are dying out because we have sunk our tent pens. And God is calling us to pull them up and pull them up and move forward into what He has for us in the future. Paul said this, and i got to move along. Paul said this Corinthians, uh, in, in, in the Corinthian letters. Paul said, Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would to spiritual people. I had to talk as though you belonged to this world or though you were infants in Christ. I had to feed you milk, not with solid food, because you weren't ready for anything stronger. And you still aren't ready, for you're still controlled by your sinful nature. You're jealous of one another and quarrel with each other. Doesn't that prove you're controlled by your sinful nature? Aren't you living like the people of the world? Listen to me. When we fail to continue to move with God, it was the appointed duty of these Israelites to move. Certainly the the, the the cloud by day and the pillar of fire for night, it wasn't actual and literally God, but yet it represented the presence of God. And when they failed to move, as the cloud moved, the bickering, the murmuring, and complaining begin to occur. As you fail to move with what God has for you in your life, that's what's you're gonna become unsettled. You're gonna become distressed. You're you and I, I'm in the same boat. We are going to find ourselves a miserable people. But when we can move with God, it changes everything. The third thing is pulling up the the temp pins of complacency. Man, I led into that. That's a pretty good segue, I guess. I didn't have that necessarily written out. But we pull up the tent pins of complacency. Complacence, let me tell you what complacency is. Complacency is a very friendly terminology for backsliding. Now see, we're, we're Pentecostals you know in the, you know as a church we are we are pentecostal people and and we know there's there's the ongoing debate of, of you know backsliding and eternal security that you know some of our uh, free will Baptist uh, brothers and sisters you know they make that argument and, and it's gone back and forth for years and years and years and and, it, and it, it's not even worthy to get into this morning but understand this this you know sometimes as Pentecostals we think backsliding means that that you have departed from the, the the grace of God and what have you and and and, and I have to say I, yes I understand that I am, I embrace that, but here's the thing, though. I think we can we can be backslidden and still be sitting in the church. I think we can be backslidden and still be people that are active in doing things in the church. It, listen, if what to me, if if I hear that word backslidden, I think about that. If I'm climbing the hill and I've climbed up this high on the hill, but then I go back and then I drop down just a few more footsteps, then I have in effect backslidden. Now, there, I hear it all the time out of people. They'll say, well, I love the Lord. I'm not where I used to be with Him, but I still love Him. Well, you're backslidden then. And same thing applies to me. If I used to be here with the Lord, but I'm not there anymore, well, guess what? i backslid. backslidden backslid, you know you know if I'm going up a hill and I slide back down I slid back down I'm backslid yeah you know, and when we begin to talk about complacency complacency is a nice word for that but but we we are not called to maintain we're not called definitely not called to go back but we're called to keep pressing onward the bible says out of your belly Shall flow rivers of living water, speaking of the Spirit of God. Let me tell you something. Living water depicts a spring. It depicts a spring that is full of life. You know, Joey, It's got them big old rainbow trout in it. it may have a few smallmouth bass in it. It may have some. But you know, I, I, over the few last few weeks, I've asked a question, and and I, I, I did get the Tudor answer. Okay, down at Tudors. But but if you if you've been up by Glenwood lately, and you notice Glenwood's covered over with this scum. The lake up the road here. It's covered over with this scum. My understanding is you can't be out there on a paddle boat. You can't be fishing. You can't be doing anything on Glenwood Lake right now. It's covered over with this scum. You know, part of the reason it's covered over with that scum, that algae is because it is a still body of water. It does, it is not a flowing body of water. You see, and, and when we find a place where we have Parked ourselves in the kingdom of God. When we have, when we have pulled up and we have shoved our spiritual life up in park, and we're just parked. We're just there. You know, we're just, we're just maintaining. We're just trying to get through. You know, and, and we've come to a standstill just like the lake up the road here or the pond over near a farm near you somewhere. You'll find that you'll begin to get green and slimy and you will actually get a little bit stinky. Mm Mm-hmm. You because ponds stink. Okay? And and you'll get a little slimy and you get a little stinky. Listen, there is no place for us to park up and just wait on everything just to finish out. Paul said, I run a race. Paul even talked about running a race. He said a man should run the race to win the race. Not everybody's going to come across and break that ribbon, but Paul says you run that race just like you're going to win that race. There's no stopping place. There's no drop off place. There's no parking place. There's no rest area to pull up and quit serving God. God has called us to come out of complacency and to come into activity, not just busyness for for being busy, but for the kingdom of God. He said, Huh. You know, why don't you just take us back to Egypt? It would have been better for us to be there. There's a lot of Christians right now, there's a lot of believers that are looking over their shoulder. I know a lady that did that one time. I know of her. And she turned to a pillar of salt. You know, we we, we can look over our shoulders and we can say, Well man, I didn't have Back then, I didn't have this problem. Back then, I didn't have this to deal with. Back back then, you know, but one thing that we shouldn't do, I, I, I give this illustration from time to time, but I think it's appropriate again this morning. Every one of you here, probably either you drove a car or you rode a vehicle, you rode something. Even you people that were here, came here in Fords, you see, they still, they still are a vehicle, okay? You know, you know, poor substitution, but they you know, you know, we drove our old Ford over here the other day and bless God, I had to call, I had five people down here at Tudors to rescue me. Had to go to advance and spend $200 just to get from Tudors to the church. Have you driven a Ford lately? But whatever you drove, whatever you drove, whatever you drove here this morning, whatever you rode in, I can promise you, in front of your face there was a big piece of glass. We call it a windshield. Now, if you're in Europe, it's called a windscreen. But that big windshield is in front of you. And in spite of the mosquito guts and those purple bird spots, because raspberries are getting ripe. And all the stuff—it's all over that windshield. It's a big area. For, it's a big visual area for you to see what is in front of you. Are you one of those people in the winter time that just go out and scrape a hole about this big to drive? I hope not. If you're in Virginia, you can get a ticket for that. But now the windshield is big for a reason. But then, on most vehicles, right in the middle of that windshield, there's this little thing' it's, a, it's about this wide and it's a you know about that long and 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 Sarah figured out that if you take that makeup mirror and you turn it the right way, you can see what's behind you <laughs> now here's the deal i't I I I'm not going to say that it's a god thing, but I think there is some principle in that. Because what is in front of us is a bigger picture and a whole lot more important than what's behind us. And if you spend your time looking in that little mirror and, and, and trying to see what is behind you and not paying attention to what's out in front of you, I'll tell you what's going to eventually happen. You're on a crash. You don't rear end somebody. You don't take it around a curve. You don't take out a telephone pole. Something is going to happen because your focus is not to be so much on what is behind you as what is in front of you. And if we will focus what's in front of us, man, I'm, I done got sweating this morning. If we will focus on, on what is in front of us and consider less of what is behind us and just keep our eyes on the road, on the prize that God has set before us, we will reach His destination, what He has for us. And let me tell you, that is nothing more than say we're going to pull the tent pins, God. We're going to go into what you have for us and we're not going to keep looking back. when we pull up the tent pins for the final one when we pull up the tent pins it's not only going to bless us but it's going to bless other people around us it's going to bless other people around us let me tell you something about this this valley that all the, that Moses and Aaron and all these Israelites were standing in, okay? Let me, I want to tell you something about this valley. This valley, valley was probably filled with millions of people. This was the entire nation of Israel. Several hundred thousands, probably, very possibly, millions of people were standing in that valley. If you read and you study the, the history of how the Israelites moved, there was, there was, there, they had order. Even though there was this tremendously large group of people, there was order in the way that they moved. They marched together and they moved together. You didn't have somebody just taking off and doing their thing and another one doing this thing. And I, They moved together. They worked together and moved in unison. Let me tell you something, let me get and I said that because I want to give you this illustration. The person back in the row one thousand fifty, they couldn't move until the persons in row one thousand and forty nine moved on in front of them. The the people in row ninety-nine couldn't move along until People in row ninety eight moved along in front of them. People in row two, they didn't move till the people in row one moved. What I'm saying to you is this is somebody had to take the lead. When they filled up those tent pens, and when the nation of Israel, when they begin to move to the next place that God had for them in this des- in this desert journey, and yes it was a desert journey, but they had the hope of Canaan. It took one group to move, and then the next group moved, and then the next group or the next line would move. Listen to me. If, if if and you can say, well, I'm probably way back. I'm just waiting on somebody else to move. Well, I think that's a lot of what's happened in the church world. That's just my that's just my calculation. Okay, I think we have sat along, we have sat around for so long waiting on somebody else to move that none of us are moving. We sit. We sit around waiting for somebody else to get out of their seat and do something. That we're all sitting in our seats. We even see it in our in our church services. We sit around. We're 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 you know altar call can happen, and we're gonna sit around and wait on somebody else to go first before we go because we don't want to be the first one to go. Friend of mine, Richard Kingry, he calls it the cow theory. It has to be one cow moved, and once one cow moves, then all the other ones walk along behind it. Have you ever seen the cattle in the field? Somebody has to take the lead. Well, I don't want it to be me, preacher. I well, maybe you don't want it to be you, but maybe God wants it to be you. Maybe he wants you to pull up some tent pens. Maybe he wants you to begin to move. Well, I can't do that. Well, listen. Who God calls, He equips. You know where he, where where He calls, He's on where He where He where He leads you and guides you. He's going to provide for you. There was millions of people in that valley. Somebody had to move. Until somebody started moving, you had hundreds and thousands, perhaps millions of people that were just standing still. Right now, and I speak to you as individuals. Right now, right now there are countless number of people that are watching you. And they're just waiting on you to move. Well, why is everybody waiting on me? I don't know. I can't answer that. But every single person in this room, you have a certain amount of influence. You have a sphere of influence. And, and God is calling you in thanks because He has something for all of us to do. Don't ever say, God doesn't have anything for me to do because if you say that, you're either totally misunderstanding of God or you're telling a lie on God, okay? He has something for you to do. And here's the deal though, and there are people that are sitting around waiting on you to move out, to step out, step out of your seat, to step out of your arena, to step, to pull up your tent pins and move into the next thing. You will be surprised if you will step out and you will move for God, what kind of influence that you have. Can I pick on you a little bit, Charlie? Is that all right? You get picked on all the time anyway, don't you? Few, several years, you know, it's hard to believe that we're we're quickly approaching our ninth anniversary here. at voice of praise. There's been two people, one of them, one of them, we don't have to, we got to get him real back in. We got to pray for, pray for their health and and what have you, and get them back in here. But there's two people that people said who says. You got old Stephen Barlow coming to your church? And then the other one says, you got Charlie Howard coming to your church? Charlie's my little troll, that's what I call him. Since he grew his beard out and his head. I told him he looks like one of those little garden trolls. But here's the deal. You know what? Charlie, people take note. People take note when they know that you've been here. You have influence. When Stefan's here, people take note, Stefan's here. When there's others of you in this room right now, in fact, every single one of there's people take note that you've been here. There's people take note that, 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 that you, you are, you have you have moved in a different direction or you're moving in the direction the Lord would have you move. And that's because you have influence. Every single one of you in this room, you have a sphere of influence. Whether you realize that or not, you do. Your influence could be big, it could be larger, it just may be a few people, but it didn't matter because Jesus went to the masses, but He also went to the individuals. So He's just wanting you to pull up the pins. And when you pull up the tip pins and you begin to move, I can promise you this: not that you're, you or I are looking for followers, but when we pull up temp pins and we begin to make moves in the direction that the Lord has for us, I can promise you this: there will be other people that will take the that will take your lead, and they will follow right along with you. That's your sphere of influence. And that's what the Lord's called you to do. He's called you and I. He hasn't called us. He didn't, listen, He may have called Billy Graham. I heard the other day how many people Billy Graham had reached and it was hundreds and hundreds of thousands. God may not have called me to reach hundreds and hundreds of thousands and He might not have called you to even, even reach a hundred people. But He has, there are people that He has given you influence over and He's calling you to pull up the tent pens and move into the opportunity Of ministry and influence that He's given you. And I speak that to every single person in this room, every person that's watching by live stream or listening by EV radio. I speak that over you. And I want you to understand that because you do have a sphere of influence. But if you got your tent nailed down, if I have my tent nailed down, I can't move into what God has for me. If I had nailed my tent down, what would have been the easiest thing for me nine years ago, if I had had my tent nailed down, my tent would have said, well, my tents will stay right over there in Wythe County, in Max Meadows, and I'm not going anywhere. But I knew it was a season for me to come here. I, I. What time is it? I'm running out of time. Let me, tell, let me tell you about that. Some of you don't know. Let me tell you the, the story about that. Several years before we ever came, Sarah and I drove over here to this church. I'd never, I'd only been to Blue Well once or maybe twice, three times, something like that in my life. uh, but we drove over here on a Sunday afternoon. we just out for a Sunday drive and we, we we intentionally drove here. And I said, what if we get over here and they're having service or something? She said, you know, we talked about, well, we'll just turn around. Uh, but we drove over here, drove up here on the park a lot. Never been here before in our life. And we just parked right out here on this side. And we prayed and, and, and it was just like we, we felt the intuition of the Lord. And that intuition was, it's just not time yet. It's two years before we ever came. So, Sarah and I are eating, our customary eating after church, and we eat lots, lots of times we eat Japanese after church. After church, sushi is wonderful, okay? So, we're eating Japanese after church, and this happens. Our our conference bishop is there, and he and his wife, and, uh, they, they were eating in the same place. And they said, hey, come on over here and sit with us. <clears throat> we sat down with Bishop Preston and Kathy, former pastors of this church. And as we sat down lunch, he said, out of all the churches in the conference, he said, where would you, where would you consider pastoring if you were if you were going to pastor another church? And I named off three churches to him. And this was one of the churches. I really don't know why. I just felt that attraction to a voice of praise worship center. I, I don't don't feel bad about this, but there's a certain joke that goes along in the like in our conference and, and in other church denominations. There's a certain joke that goes around about well you have to go to West Virginia and pastor when you can't get a church anywhere else, okay? This is the way it is, you know. So, so then a few months later, it pops up on the conference website. What's the praise worship center listed in church vacancies? Sarah says, "What are you going to do?" I said, "I guess I'll send my resume." And I sent my resume in. Now there was there was there was quite a few resumes. Some of the some of the councils here might remember how many, but there was quite a few resumes. Okay, and some very very strong candidates. Let me say that. One of the candidates was Doctor Bill Jones, out of former superintendent of Georgia Conference. I told Sarah, I said, "I, I said there's no point in me. There, really, there's no point in me. We we came over for an interview, and I said this is really a waste of our time. I said well, they'll, they'll go with Doctor Bill Jones. My gracious, conference superintendent, you know, uh, holds a, a doctrine of divinity. My gracious." So we came over and we interviewed and talked, you know, here, right over here in this, what's now the youth room. And, and we left and, and I, and, and then, you know, uh, long story short, I'll condense it. There was a lot happened. I was struggling because my family was in my, in our church with us. My son was the worship leader and he and his, his then wife were our youth leaders. And uh, I just said I can't leave. I can't leave my family. I can't. I can't leave my family like that because I knew they wouldn't follow us. And then, as was, after a Sunday night service, my family walked into church sanctuary. They had done. We did youth on Sunday night over in our fellowship facility, and they came in and they said, "We need to talk to you." And my son said, uh, "said Dad, we feel like our time here is done. We feel like." it. You know, we move, need to move along into something else. And I just don't want you to be upset with me. I don't want you to feel like I let you down. I said, well, son, let me tell you something. I said, I had an interview at another church. I said, I, I didn't want to tell. I, we've not told anybody about it. And and he gave me the release to feel like that I could do what God would have me to do. Have I ever told all this here? Have I ever told this Until that time, the vote was supposed to take place the next Sunday, and I had I had already determined in my mind I couldn't I couldn't move move away from having my family alongside of me in my in my ministry. I had made up my mind I was going to call Dublin on Monday morning, and I was going to have my name withdrawn, even though I was going to have a they were going to be voting on me as pastor right here. But well, when he gave me that, he, he gave me that that release that I needed. When he came in and said, "I think we're done. We're going to have to move along." I thought, well, they're probably going to vote on Bill Jones first, and he's a, or in my mind, I played it out. They're going to vote. We're not going to get a majority vote, and they're going to, and then they'll vote on Bill Jones, and Bill Jones will be the pastor at Voice of Praise in Bluewell. Well. Guess what? Here I is. Nine years later. But you see, I, I had to be willing, Sarah and I really, we had to be willing to draw up some tent pens. And I tell you, that's not easy when you had been at a, with a congregation for nearly ten years at that time. And you had your family right alongside of you. That, the easiest thing for us to have done was to stay because everything was actually going really well and it would have been easy for us to stay. But we knew in the scope of things, God had something else for us to do and we had to be willing to pull up the tent pins and let our tent move. Follow the cloud into the next area. That's what God wants to do in all of our lives. And I hope in some way, and I'm not looking for accolades when I say this, but I hope in some way in these last nine years that by us pulling up the tent pens, that we have blessed you all in some way. Now, if we hadn't pulled up our tent pens, God would have still had somebody else here. But I thank God because if I've ever had a season of my life that I knew I, that I've been walking in obedience and ministry, it has been the last nine years that we've been right here at Voice of Praise Worship Center. And I'm not bragging. I'm not patting myself on the back. That's not my intention. But I, I will say, I, we had to be willing. And it wasn't easy. Pulling up those big stakes is not easy. But when you when you grab hold of them, and you pull them out, and you say, Lord, I'm ready to move forward. Whatever you have for me. God will bless, and He'll bless others through you. i, I got to quit. Bow your heads with me. With your eyes closed, I want to ask one question. First and most important question here today is, if you're unsaved, if you've never made a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ and accepted Him through faith as your Savior, then you need to pull up some tent pins of your life and surrender to Him. If you're in this room and you've never been saved, or maybe... Maybe, maybe you don't understand it. I'll help you along the way. I'll do my very best. But if you've never been saved and you have the need of being saved without any embarrassment, if you'll just slip up your hand and say, Pastor, I need to pull up some 10 Anybody in the room? Real quickly. Just slip up your hand. Okay, I want to ask you another question. Heads still bowed, eyes still closed out of respect to one another. Are you in this room? And you say, Preacher... I'm not where I used to be. I don't feel like that I, I'm out, I, I'm out of the, necessarily out of the will of God, but I know I'm not where I used to be. I, I know, I've not been moving forward in what God has had for me to do. But I today see the need of pulling up some tent pins and moving forward to not just get back to that place I once was to go beyond there into everything that God has for me. If that's you, just slip up your hand right now without any embarrassment. Thank you. Any others in this room? I want to move you into what God has. Said. Let me ask you this as a congregation. Would you all, I know, I know I've been in overtime, okay? I realize that. It's, it'll be alright though. I want to ask you to do this. If you're willing to pull up tent pens in, tent pens of your life, whether you raised your hand or you didn't raise your hand, if you're saying, Lord, I'm willing enough to pull up the tent pens in life as a demonstration of that faith, I want you to, let's make our way down here for a time of corporate prayer and say, Lord, I'm pulling up the tent pins of my life. This no longer is about me. It's no longer about where I'm parked at. But it's about me going forward in what you have. Don't wait on somebody else. Go ahead and jerk your pins out. Come on down here and let's begin to seek the Lord for the next few minutes. And just ask Him to move us in to everything that He has for us. Sarah and I so often use what the Lord told Jeremiah the prophet. He said, I have great plans for you. I have plans for you to prosper. And let me tell you, the Lord has great plans for you. You could be in this room and you could be disabled. You could be in this room and and, and you could could have all kinds of things that, that, that physically prevent you. I don't know if you've ever seen him or not, but there's a preacher. His name is David Ring. And he suffers cerebral palsy, and he his his body doesn't function like uh, it, it, normally a body would function. His speech is his speech is a bit, uh, uh, if you would, deformed and distorted. But but yet, David Ring is one of the, my opinion anyway, is one of the greatest, most effective preachers that that is out there preaching the word today. But he he is not. He says, you all say. That I'm not normal. He said, but maybe I am. Maybe all the rest of you all are weird. So it doesn't matter how weird you are. God still has something to use you in. Let's pray. Pray together. Fathers, we come to you today. Lord, we want to pull up the temp pins of of our lives. God, and as we pull the 10 pins of our life, we want to move into everything that you have. In store for us. God, we don't want to miss one thing. God, we want to do what you've called us to do. Lord, we want to go where you've called us to go. We want to be who you want us to be. Lord, we want to, we want to be submissive to you. Lord, not holding anything back. And God, we want to yield ourselves to you in the fullness of who we are so we can operate in the fullness of who you are. God, this morning, as we come to You, Lord, we are saved. We, we are born again by the blood of Your Son, Jesus Christ. And we yield ourselves into Your presence. God, we desire, Lord, to follow, Lord, the, the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. God, don't let us find ourselves idle, Lord, and becoming complainers or and coming becoming negative, Lord, becoming stagnant in our relationship with you. But God, let us be life changers. Help us to change and impact the, those that are around us. God, I, I recognize tonight, I recognize tonight that I have a spirit of influence. Lord, however big, Lord, my area of influence is, God, right now I'm praying that you will help me, Lord, to fulfill it. Help me to cater to my sphere of influence that you've given me. Lord, let me find favor, Lord, like you did. You said, Lord, the Son, Jesus, Jesus grew in favor with both God and man. Lord, let me grow in favor, Lord, with the people that are around me. Let me grow in favor in this community. Let me grow in favor, Lord, in this church. Lord, let me grow in favor with my family. Lord, increase my fear of influence. Lord, that I may impact the lives of others. God, there are people, Lord, that are leaving this world lost. They're leaving this world undone. And God, I want to come, Lord, alongside of them and help them, Lord. With Your grace, with Your mercy, Lord God, I want to be a positive influence. I want to be a godly influence in their lives. So God, don't let me park up. Don't let me be found, Lord, with stakes hammered into the ground and unwilling to move. But Lord, allow me, Lord God, to follow Your flow. Your flow. Your movement, Lord. Jesus, and I know, as I follow you, I'm going to have to follow you in faith. I won't be able to see everything. I won't be able to know everything. And I won't always hear everything. But Lord, if I trust you, if I trust you, and I will take your hand, God, you will lead me through the darkest of night. Through the lowest of valleys. Through the places, Lord, of the unknown. God, you will lead me and you will not lead me astray. You will not lead me into peril. You will not lead me into into the place where I'm I'm, 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 I'm there and I'm unsecure. I'm unarmed and, and and I'm vulnerable, Lord, because you are with me. You lead me and you guide me and you protect me. All the way through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. God, so, by your grace and mercy... May I walk with you. Releasing my faith in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I hope today that some of y'all pulled up, you've you pulled up the tent pins. You pulled up those big old staves that's been holding you in place for so long. Could be staves, tent, tent pins of insecurity. Could be tent pens of fear, but whatever it is, whatever it's been that's been holding you down to keep you from moving to where God wants you to move, I pray that today that you just yank them up, you pull them up, you pull them up, and you move into that next season. And you may have to you may have to plan them for a while where you're in that season. But all, listen, the beauty the beauty of the tabernacle or the tent was that it was portable, it was flexible. We're the tabernacle of God. God wants us to move with Him. Amen. Does anybody need special prayer for any?